0: Welcome to the Work Minus Podcast. We talk about what we need to drop from the way we think about work and what we need to replace it with to be prepared for the future. Go to workminus.com to see a transcript of this episode, more podcasts, articles, and a newsletter that connects you to the best ideas about work. All right, enjoy the show. Well, Welcome back to Work Minus, conversations to help you lead the way to a better future of work. Today, our guest is Randy Dial. He's the managing principal at CLA Indiana. Hi, Randy, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Neil. How are you? Very good. I
0: was introduced to you because I went to an event where you were speaking about the importance of building a good work culture, and I was really struck by the way that you at CLA Indiana have, have really focused on a people-first culture. So I want you just to start, introduce yourself, a little bit about your company and about what you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, you know my name's Randy Dial. I've actually been with CLA my entire career, 22 years. Uh, born and raised here in Indiana in a small town. I'm a Ball State graduate. I got lucky enough to kind of land an internship with this firm. Um, our firm is a very large firm. We're national, uh, 6,500 people across the country, 120 offices, uh, but we really focus on mid-market and small business. You're not going to find CLA working with a lot of the really large publicly traded companies we want to be the premier resource that kind of really dig in and form relationships with the private companies and the business owners uh, and really kind of have a give back attitude, which is something I grew up with, is just always be thinking about the person across the table.
0: So I'm going to take that a little bit deeper, just that atmosphere of saying, okay, we want to focus on small businesses, mid-market companies, and really focus on that person-to-person aspect. It's something that I feel like a lot of companies will say, they'll, they'll kind of put it in their marketing aspect, but how do you actually imbibe that in your culture?
1: Yeah, it's really in our DNA, Neil. I mean, it's it's it has struck me for years. Uh, as I kind of grew up in my career, I would go out with some of the leaders, you know, as a younger staff. And I would watch as, you know, we'd sit across the table from a lawyer, a banker, another community partner. And there was really no genuine um, just leaning in and re- being willing to help and give. And what struck me about that is, you know, we go out and we want to uh, grow our businesses and we're expecting referrals from people and we want to grow that way, but that's not going to happen unless we're willing to do the same, right? We're, we're an accounting firm, we're a professional services firm. The only way we grow is if people believe that we're providing value and that we should be referred, if you will. And so as I watched this over the years, it just struck me that, boy, wouldn't a better model be when we go out to do some of these events and lunches and, and breakfast and, and just meet with people in the market that we should think of them first. Don't go expecting a referral. Go to these meetings to give a referral. And, and when you're across from a client, don't go there just to expect to serve them to do their tax return or their audited financial statement. What are some things we can be doing for them proactively to either help their business or make introductions to other great partners that we think could help them in that current, at the current time? So it's just this it's really not difficult. It's funny, but some people really struggle at it. It's just get out of the selfishness and think about the person you're sitting across from. And when you do that, it just transforms the relationship. And you just see this, it just comes back full circle, I guess is the best way to say it.
0: Yeah. you know, I love that a lot. When you talk about being proactive, you mentioned, okay, looking for ways you can give referrals to clients and help them out. What are some of the ways internally you've helped to build that culture? Because like you said, it's For whatever reason, we can get into this too. It doesn't seem natural to always want to give in those relationships. So what are the things you encourage with with your team, with your sales team to help them to adopt this mindset?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're constantly talking internally. You know, we call something, uh, we call this concept internally seamless. Seamless is getting out of the mindset of, hey, I've been a tax professional as an example for 20 years and I'm a tax person. And it's just teaching our people and having discussions around, No, you're not a tax professional. You're a CLA professional and you are going to lean in and work with these clients in a way that helps them outside of your specific area. Clients are looking for that more than ever today. They want a professional that has their holistic picture in mind, not just someone to come in, sit in a conference room and knock out a tax return or an audited financial statement. And so as we kind of grow our People now, they come into CLA and they are not hired any longer as a service specialist. They're hired as an industry specialist. We're going to grow them into a manufacturing consultant or a construction consultant or a nonprofit consultant and on and on. And the way we've transformed the way we grow people is through that. It gets them out of this mindset that I'm a tax person or I'm an audit person. They get a holistic view of an industry and they're going to bring every seamless opportunity to the clients in that industry, if you will.
0: Yeah. Let's take that to another level. You're talking about a holistic picture of, of what's going on. I'm not a tax person or an audit person. I, I'm, I'm understanding this whole view of what's going on. Do you feel like that's a trend that should be there across other industries aside from just tax professionals? Like what are some other ways that that as we look at businesses, as other people listen in, they can teach that and imbibe that in their own culture?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and this this could be relevant across any type of business. What what I What we've done here is say, look, If you're a business owner in in central Indiana today, you're struggling with succession planning. You're struggling with looking for acquisitions. You're struggling with cybersecurity. You're struggling with you know, on and on and on. You could just keep naming things that businesses struggle with. Well, here's the problem with that. These businesses are so busy day-to-day in their own business, they don't have time to think about these things. That's the message our team is getting and saying, look, When you meet with the CEO or the owner or the CFO, think about these things because you know they're struggling with them and they need help and they don't have time to deal with it. So we can be a provider to come in and just listen and offer help. And maybe we can connect them to some attorneys where they need help. Maybe we can connect them to some insurance individuals where they need help. Maybe we can uh, connect them to bankers that need, where they need help. And, and just getting this holistic community minded, um, approach to serving our clients and that is what we've taught and our younger people stepping into the firm that is what they're being taught just a holistic consultant provider
0: well let's bring it into the future of work the topic we're always talking about why do you think the strategy of being people first being seamless seeing yourself as an industry expert how is that going to benefit both your organization and the people you have working for you as things change so much in the next 10 to 20 years
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, the individuals joining now, stepping out of school, they are expecting a different career experience than what we did twenty to thirty years ago. When when I stepped into the firm, I had this mindset: is you know what? I'm going to go for the top. I want to be a partner. I'm going to serve my clients in the service area that I've the firm has put me in. Today, that's not necessarily the case. These individuals joining the firm are looking for a more inspired career. They want to be able to experience industries. They want to experience different service offerings. They don't want to be pigeonholed early in their career. And so our inspired career model does just that. It's helping our people step into a very large firm and get to do what they want to do. We give them a rotation and an experience during their first couple years And then we allow them to tell us, what is it you like? Do you want to be a manufacturing industry tax person? Then we will build your career around that. Do you want to be a nonprofit outsourced CFO bookkeeper? We will build your career around that. So we're giving the people the keys to their career, which I think is really neat. And what happens with that is they feel a little bit more empowered. Your retention goes up and we're able to retain a lot of the talent stepping into the firm. And it just kind of helps you continually grow, and they feel more confident with optimism because they're becoming more of a holistic expert versus being pigeonholed into one service line like we kind of all were back when we joined.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk about retention a little bit more because that's a key topic for a lot of leaders that are out there trying to look towards the future. How do they keep the good talent that they have? What's been your experience as you you talk to other professionals, other companies? Why do you feel like this strategy is helping you with retaining good talent?
1: Well, you know, retention is a really powerful word, and there's a lot to that. And so, yes, I do believe our inspired career model is helping with that. But there's a lot of other things you've got to do to retain people. Um, one of those is communication. Um, I, When I became the leader of Indiana um, just over five years ago now, I stepped into a role that historically just didn't have a whole lot of great communication. Um, we didn't know how we were doing as an office. We didn't know big wins that we got. We weren't recognizing people. And I just realized that if you start doing little things like that, it really empowers and makes this culture start to really run on all cylinders. And so I'm just big on communication. And I think you retain people when they know they're part of a great family, part of a great team. They're recognized for their contributions. They're recognized for going out and volunteering in the community. And everyone in the office kind of gets on this you know one team, one office, one family, um, you know, strategy, if you will, around, um, you know, communication. And you got to be very transparent and just make sure that the leader is right there alongside the team the entire way. And so I think retention has really been great here because of those things, not just the career strategy, but just making sure we're looping in a lot of our people around the communication and transparency.
0: Hey everyone. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, the best way you can support us is the leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, start a conversation with a friend about how you think we can make work better. Thanks. I want to talk to you about your specific career and coming to the place you're at now. You have the the distinction of, you know, growing up inside a company and then taking on a lot of huge leadership responsibilities with that. What were some of those challenges and I guess how would that make it more difficult to implement some of these changes you wanted to make? Did you find that there were a lot of roadblocks, a lot of things to that were in your way to implement the kind of culture you really wanted
1: yeah yeah my story is is interesting and it would probably take a longer podcast to really give you (laughs) the nuts and bolts of some of it but i can give you a you know a summary is you know i grew up in the firm as a consultant um and so i was not on the audit side or the tax side so i've i've been an m a you know due diligence business valuation consultant my entire career Um, and so I've just been out in the market, right? To, to be a consultant, you got to be out in the market a lot because you have no recurring revenue. And so I have always been looking for my next project on and on. And so I've gotten to know a ton of people in Indianapolis and, you know, historically our leaders here, they've been wonderful people, the managing principals, but most of them did not have this hungry go to market mentality. And when your leader does not have that, neither do your people. And so I watched for 15 or 16 years as we had a nice, you know, um, you know firm here and things were okay, but we weren't really going out and branding and we weren't really going to market and, and connecting with community partners like we have over the last five years. And, and, and what we've done in the last five years is just kind of transform that. We've learned the give mentality, right? Go out and meet with people and listen to their story. And as I said before, just be willing to give. We have thousands of clients at CLA and they all need help, whether it's legal, banking, technology, insurance. I mean, you name it, they need help and we can connect them to some great people in this market. We did not think like that before. It was simply sit in the office, wait for the phone to ring and grow that way. And it wasn't working. And so I think the reason I was um, selected to take this role on is because I have that go to market hungry attitude. And I think CLA needed that here in Indianapolis. And just being able to, to teach and come alongside some of our industry leaders here, they've now got that approach. They're hungry, they see it, and they really do see all the benefits our firm has and the beauty and the value that we can provide for our clients.
0: Can you point to any specific events in the last five years that you feel like were really key in, in making that transition? Because I think everyone would look at what you're saying and say like, yeah, this is good. We all want to move this direction, but actually turning an entire culture around, uh, I mean, we all know that that's a huge task to do. So were there any specific events during that timeline that you feel like were really pivotal?
1: Yeah, you know, a few things, uh, not really an event, but one thing that I happened to do when I took over leadership is I, I got rid of the way we sat As an office, right? So historically, our leadership would let us sit in silos. And so as an example, and you can think about this from any business perspective, I had my tax group sat way down here in this corner and my audit group sat way down there in that corner and my consultants sat way down here in that corner. And you know what happens when you do that is you create different uh, cultures within your own culture. And that's not good. And so what I did when I took over as a leader is I made people move around and sit with the other groups to get to know them, understand what they do, become friends, become colleagues. And you know what that does is it starts to create one team, one family, as opposed to a siloed culture of several teams. And I will tell you, I took a lot of grief when I did that initially. I got some nasty emails I had some people that have sat next to their, you know, buddies for 10 years and they said, boy, you know, you're really going to kill our culture doing this. And, and my response was, you know, what culture? We don't really have a culture. We have a bunch of cultures. And so you just have to make little moves like that, that as a leader are tough. But at the end of the day, it, it transformed us. I mean, today you would never guess that we have different groups. It's all one team. And that's what I truly had a vision of building here. And so that, that's not really an event, but that's something that um, I did that that really made this start to click together. And then as far as like events, you know, we've done a lot in the market. We've joined some organizations that I think have been phenomenal. One of them is called Accelerant. Um, uh, they hold events and we're a big partner that it's really neat. Uh, we're really leaning into the industries at this point. So you're going to find us in the technology industry as a huge player in in, the, in central Indiana. Our manufacturing team is second to none and on and on. So we we really go to market by industry and we're just joining groups and becoming really um, uh, intimate, I guess, with the industry uh, organizations around the state.
0: Yeah. Were there other internal criticisms you faced as you were trying to implement these changes?
1: Yeah. I mean, there were some other things that came about. I mean, some real silly stuff historically, but it gives you an example of how little things can kill culture. I will tell you that in the office, historically, we had a certain group that uh, liked to bring in lunch just for themselves. Um, and so what would happen historically is lunch would get ordered secretly by this group. It would be brought in. You would smell it. They'd secretly go through, clean it out. And then as other people kind of went down to the kitchen area, there'd be no food left. And so it just created this culture of, boy, they must be important because they're ordering lunch for themselves and no one else gets any. And so when I became leader and started to become aware of this and and really the um, impact it was having on our culture, I put a stop to it. And I told this group from now on, if you want to order lunch, I'm okay with that, but we're ordering it for the whole office. And what's happened is now when we do bring in food for the whole office, you should see the room. Everyone is in there together. It's people from different groups and different industries, again, becoming kind of one team. And so that's another, you know, negative thing that had happened historically that I kind of had to step in and just kind of have a new strategy around. Otherwise, it just kind of sets these little, you know, culture issues internally that people, you know, it was impacting other groups. And I had to put a stop to it. And then, of course, you do have, uh, you know, one other thing, you do have people sometimes that you just know in your gut are not going to align with what you're building. And so there are tough moments where you have to have a discussion on if people are a fit in your current location. And so we did have to have a discussion or two with people that had been here for eight years, 10 years, and you just knew they were never going to get online with the new culture. And so I had to have a few of those tough discussions, too. It's just part of it.
0: Thanks for being candid about this stuff, Randy, because this is the key things. I think when leaders talk about, okay, I need to build a culture for the future, I need to to change things. Like It's one thing to talk about it, but these are the specifics that people need to go through. And they have to realize that there are really difficult conversations you have to have. There are criticisms you're going to face. And to keep that that focus in mind in the future is really important. So thanks for sharing all these things. Oh, you bet. Yep. When I look at what you're saying here... I uh, look at the future of work. We say the future is is very human. We want to be able to connect with people, build a lot of empathy. Uh, you've talked about communication, about the importance of just telling people what's going on, recognizing uh, people for doing great things, inspired careers, helping people to realize what they want to do, integrating your workplaces, stuff as simple as, as eating together, as sitting together, sitting with the right people. All these things, I think when we think about the future of work, we think about, okay, a lot of automation, a lot of technology. But I, I really like the way that you all have have embraced the human side of it and say, okay, if we're gonna work better together as humans, we can embrace technology, but we really need to focus on how we we connect as humans. So hats off to you guys for doing a great job. I know it's not always been easy, but it's really, really inspiring.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, technology is gonna continue to uh, evolve and grow, but at the end of the day, I do believe the firms and companies that are gonna win the battle uh, going forward are the ones that connect with their people and their markets uh, the best, absolutely.
0: Tell us a little bit about the technology side, though, uh, in terms of what are some essential tools that you found to be helpful as you try to take this people-first culture, both to your clients and internally? Are there tools that you're using now that are really helpful in that on the technology side?
1: Well, you know, working for a large professional services firm, the technology internally um, you know, a lot of what we use won't be relevant to the external market, but we're just, it's, it's continually evolving. I mean, I can't tell you how many new technologies continue to come out every year within our own firm to help us do things quicker, more efficient. We now have hired data scientists, right? So we've hired people to come in and harvest data within our own networks, uh, that we can then look at, frame, and then go do better consulting with our clients. Right. So if you think about, I'll use the trucking industry as an example, think about these trucking companies out there. Um, they typically don't have the most robust technology. If you can show them some data and dashboards that quickly show them how safety records, how their gas mileage, how their um, you know, turnover, these things are really impacting um, you know, their business, the better they're going to become. And so our firm is now trying to use technology to harvest some really neat metrics within industries that we can then take to these companies to help them excel even better. And again, it's stuff that these companies just don't have time to do. Uh, The data is there, but again, it just takes time and the right technology to harvest. And so I think that's the evolution we're going to start seeing as companies want to see more robust technology within their own shops so they can see this data quicker and more real time. And so I think that's where we're going. But again, there's a human element to the entire piece. There has to be someone to help you do it, connect to it, deploy it, execute it. And that's where I think this human element is never going away. There's always gonna be connection.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Randy, we end all of our episodes, we talk about work minus something. We, we try to say, okay, we're, we're trying to eliminate one piece to replace it with something else. So when you look at when you took over this role five years ago, how would you summarize what you've done in the last five years in terms of what's the one thing you've you've tried to eliminate from the workplace to make it a better
1: place? I would say the one thing that I've helped eliminate is just, uh, I'll just call it a ba- the barrier. And the barrier to me was just connecting people to people. I mean, I, I think what we've done here, it's, we're going to market, we're branding, all this stuff's great. I think that my number one achievement when I look at it is when I look around this office and I see our people, I see where they were six years ago. And now I see where they are now. And you can just tell they're more inspired. They're more confident. They know they're having fun. They're part of a great firm. That's the biggest joy of my role here. Not the revenue and the growth. All that stuff's great. It's just watching our people and seeing the impact that I've been able to have on their lives.
0: That's great. Randy, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate learning from you and what you're doing. If somebody wants to get in touch with you more, where should they go?
1: Uh, They can go to our website, claconnect.com if they want to learn more about our firm. Uh, They're welcome to email me at randy, r-a-n-d-i-e dot dial, d-i-a-l at claconnect.com or they can certainly uh, reach out to you and and you can put them in touch with me. Sure, awesome.
0: Well, thanks Randy for being on the show and sharing all your insights with us.
1: I really appreciate it.